Thank you. So good to be with you tonight. If you have your Bible, please open them with me to Jonah. Jonah chapter 4. And we're actually going to be looking at the last verse of chapter 3. Jonah 3 verse 10. And then all the way through the end of chapter 4. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 to the end of chapter 4. And if you know the story of of Jonah, um, Jonah was a prophet in Israel. And God told him one day to go down to a place called Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. They were Gentile peoples. Uh, Not only were they Gentile peoples, but they were Israel's biggest enemies because the Assyrian Empire was growing in its ascendancy to to becoming the most powerful empire in the world. And they were taking over nation after nation. And Israel pretty much knew uh, that it was just a matter of time before they came knocking at their door. And Jonah is a prophet And God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. You know the story. He doesn't want to go. He gets thrown into the ocean and uh, a whale uh, swallows him. A great fish spits him up onto the shore. God has a way of getting what he wants even if we don't want it. Amen? And he he puts him on the shore. and, uh, And Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches one sentence. He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And to his dismay... The entire city of Nineveh repents of their sins and believes the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see at the end of chapter three. And here's my title this, this tonight. I almost said this morning. Tonight. My title tonight is No Angry Missionaries. That's what we're going to see in, in Jonah. So notice what it says in Jonah 3, verse 10. And it says this. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. When Nineveh repented, God relented and did not overthrow the city after all. He had mercy on them. But then notice what it says in verse one of chapter four. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was what? He was angry. He was angry. No angry missionaries. Let's pray together and we'll dive into the text. Father, thank you for this time tonight that we have to assemble around your word. Thank you for the worship that's taken place. And Father, we do want to say to you right now that, Lord Jesus, you are worthy to receive all glory and honor and blessing and praise. And so we give it to you right now. And one of the ways that we worship you because you're worthy is that right now we turn our attention to your word, and we ask that you would speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Charles Dickens' famous 1843 novel called A Christmas Carol, the main character is a man named Ebenezer Scrooge. At the beginning of the story, Scrooge, you probably, if you've seen the movie or read the book, you'll know that he is a cold-hearted miser. Uh, His love for money has led him to be an obsessive Penny Pincher, who underpays his clerk, Bob Cratchit, and he never gives to charity, though he gets hit up for it all the time. When people approach him, for example, on Christmas Eve and ask him for a donation to charity, he sneers uh, and says that the poor should simply get a job at the workhouses or else just die and stop being a drain on society. Merry Christmas, right? And then we learn that, you know, Scrooge hates Christmas especially because he associates Christmas with reckless spending. He is an angry, bitter old man 
Now Scrooge, as the story goes, eventually changes and by the end of the story, he's happy and generous and his heart is open to loving other people. But before he changes, his anger prevents him from being able to love others. His anger prevents him from being able to love others. I want you to know tonight that God loves the people of this lost and broken world, and he wants us, his people, to love them as well. He wants us to have such love and compassion for the world, not for the things of this world. We're not to love the world system and its and it's assault against the kingdom of Christ, but the people of the world, God so loved the world, right? And he wants us to love the world to such a degree that we would have compassion for the people of this world and go and tell them the good news that Jesus saves. But here's what we learn in Jonah chapter four. We learn that angry, bitter Scrooges will never reach the world for Christ. Let me say that again. Angry, bitter Scrooges will never reach the world for Christ. That's what Jonah was. Jonah was a Scrooge. He was an angry, bitter man who would rather his enemies, the Ninevites, just die and stop being a drain on society than that they be forgiven by a merciful God. And even though God wound up using Jonah in spite of himself, Jonah serves as a lesson to us that God wants no angry missionaries. And here's the main idea I would give you before we dive into the meat of the text. Here's the main idea and the big takeaway. The more angry you are toward the world, the less likely you are to reach it. The more angry you are toward the world, the less likely you are to reach it. I believe that's one of the main lessons that we learn from the book of Jonah. And so notice with me what we see in this text. In this chapter, chapter four, I want us to see three big truths, three big reasons for why God wants no angry missionaries, either in Jonah's day or in the 21st century church. Reason number one, God wants no angry missionaries because anger is hateful. Anger is hateful. We see that in the first four verses. Notice again, the end of chapter three tells us what happened after Jonah preached. After Jonah preached that, that, uh, that message, that very simple message, within 40 days, God's gonna overthrow this city. They repent, and verse 10 of chapter three says that when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, he relented from the disaster and did not do it to them after all. And then notice again how Jonah responds in the first four verses of chapter four. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And that word anger or angry appears multiple times throughout the chapter. That's, uh, there's this contrast throughout Jonah four of God's compassion and Jonah's anger. <laughs> and it's supposed to stand out. God's compassionate and Jonah is angry. Jonah was exceedingly angry, it says. And he prayed to the Lord and said, verse two, O Lord, is, this, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, what? Slow to anger. Now, isn't that interesting? Jonah is quick to anger. The Lord is slow to anger. Now, look, the Lord gets angry sometimes. 
The Lord gets angry sometimes. The Lord gets angry, but it's after he has been very, very patient. And the Lord here is slow to anger, Jonah says, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And Jonah tells us here the reason why. It's really not until the end of Jonah's story that we learn why he didn't want to go to Nineveh after all. And the reason was because he knew that if they repented, this is exactly what God would do. And Jonah hated his enemies so much, he didn't even want them to know the way of mercy. He didn't even want them to know the way of escape. He wanted them to be ignorant so that they would die in their ignorance and and stop being a drain on society and a threat to the people of Israel. So notice what he goes on to say in verse three. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah was ready to die just so he didn't have to live to see his enemies receive mercy. You've got to really hate somebody. You've got to be really angry. When you get to the place that you would rather die than see your enemies receive mercy. But that's where Jonah was. He hated them so much. He hated these Ninevites so much. And then notice the question, this diagnostic question that the Lord asked Jonah in verse four. The Lord said, do you do well to be what? Angry. You see, that's the, that's the main theme of this chapter. And, and in some ways, it's the main sin of Jonah throughout the whole four chapters of this book. Jonah's primary sin was anger fueled by hatred. That's the sin. And God is dealing with Jonah here. Now, God was dealing with the Ninevites too, wasn't he? God was dealing with the Ninevites' sin. How? By having Jonah go and proclaim that they need to turn from their sins. But God was also dealing with this missionary's sins. And may I just say this to you? Is God gonna deal with the sins of the world? Absolutely he is. And how does he wanna deal with the sins of the world? He wants us to be missionaries, to go out into the world and to say to them, in much the same way that Jonah said to the Ninevites, turn from your sins, our judgment is coming for you. We have the same responsibility that Jonah did. God wants to deal with the world's sins by first commanding the world to repent of their sins or else face the threat of judgment. And if they do not turn from their sins, then God will not relent from that threat. And one day God, when Christ comes again at the second coming, there will be a sword in his mouth and he will slay his enemies and they will receive the punishment for their sins, the wages of sin, which is death. God's gonna deal with the sins of the world, but let me tell you this, while we're still on this earth, God also wants to deal with the sins of his missionaries. And one of the sins of his missionaries is anger. And the more angry we are toward the world, the less likely we are to reach the world. This was Jonah's problem. Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Now, that's obviously a rhetorical question, isn't it? Expecting the response, no. This is a rebuke from the Lord to Jonah. Jonah, you should not be angry right now. But why was Jonah angry? Why was Jonah angry? Jonah was angry because Jonah does not love his enemies. Jonah was angry because Jonah instead hates his enemies. Therefore, Jonah does not want his enemies to live. He wants them to die. 
He doesn't want his enemies to be forgiven. He wants them to be punished. He doesn't want his enemies to be delivered. He wants them to be destroyed. But that's not the way of Jesus, is it? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 43 and 44. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now this is something that maybe Jonah would have said. Because you know what? Jonah was not just a man marked by hatred. I'm sure Jonah had great love in his heart for certain people. I'm sure Jonah loved his fellow Jewish people. I'm sure Jonah loved his fellow Israelites. It's just that he loved his neighbor but hated his enemy. It's kind of like the question that a lot of other Jonahs in Jesus' day, the scribes and Pharisees, asked Jesus, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because you see, they just wanted to love certain people, but not their enemies. Jesus had a way of showing people that, listen, if your love is not as broad as God's love, then it's not good enough. And God so loved the world. Jesus said, going back to Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, do you think that would have transformed the way Jonah acted in response to Nineveh's repentance? If Jonah had gone to Nineveh with this idea that Jesus articulates in Matthew 5, 44, loving his enemies and praying for the Ninevites, as they were persecuting the Jewish people, you think that maybe went then if, if he would have saw them repent and, and be spared, he would have been excited, right? But instead, obviously, he, he's not loving his enemies. He's, he's hating his enemies. Or the book of Proverbs, because you may say, well, that was Jesus, and Jonah wasn't around to hear Jesus say that. Yeah, but Jonah would have known this proverb. Jonah 24, verse, or Proverbs 24, verse 17 says this. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Oh yeah, Jonah was guilty. Jonah was guilty not only of being unchristlike, Christ coming hundreds of years later, but Jonah was guilty also of just simply not being obedient to the scriptures that he did have. He was ready to rejoice at Nineveh's fall. In fact, as we'll see in a moment, he goes and he waits underneath the shade of that plant, remember? And what's he doing? He's waiting until those 40 days are up, just hoping that maybe God will go ahead and bring down fire and sulfur from heaven anyways. He wants to rejoice at his enemies falling rather than, than praying for their deliverance. Jonah, in many ways, was like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Remember that parable? Uh, the father had two sons, and the younger son was rebellious, and the younger son was foolish, and the younger son asked his father for his portion of the inheritance, and he went off to the far country, and he squandered it all, and then he came, came to his senses, and he went back home, and when he came back home, the father runs out to greet him, slaughters the fattened calf, throws a giant party, puts a ring on his finger and a robe on his back, and all the while, what's the older brother doing? The older brother who never went to the far country, the older brother who never squandered his father's inheritance, the older brother who was a good boy and stayed home like he was supposed to and did all the right things. He had his arms crossed and his lips pursed and he rebuked his father for being so compassionate to this rebellious younger son because he hadn't done anything wrong. And this was Jonah, pouting in his anger, fueled, by his hatred for the other, by his hatred for 
his enemies. The older brother not wanting the rebellious Ninevites to come into the party. Not wanting the rebellious Ninevites to experience the father's compassion like he had. No, he, he was the older brother here when he should have been like the father. What Jonah should have done at the repentance of the Ninevites in that city was that he should have helped them continue their journey of obedience to the Lord. He should have discipled them, and to use Christian language, right? He, he should have shown them the way of the Lord and taught them the ways of the Lord, but instead he was furious that they had even gotten saved. He wanted them to fall. Uh, you know, when I was growing up in, in Alabama, people always ask, people have asked me recently, you know, where are you from? And I say, well, that's kind of a tough question. I, my family's all from Tennessee, but... I grew up in Alabama because my dad was a pastor down there. And we moved down to uh, Birmingham uh, area when I was in uh, third grade, eight years old. And it was 1991. The next year, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide won in 1992 the national championship. And we were at some of those games that year. And so we were just, we were hooked right then. You know, I, I became an Alabama fan when we moved down there and grew up watching all those games. But one of the things I realized living uh, in Alabama was that you, when you were growing up in Alabama, you were either pulling for one of two teams, okay? It was Alabama or Auburn, all right? We had a few Tennessee people, but they didn't really talk much, except for right there in the middle of those 90s when y'all had some really good years. And, and anyways, I won't talk about that. So here's what I found, though. On a Saturday, any given Saturday in Alabama, if you were an Alabama fan, you wanted Alabama to win, and that was a good day. But if it was a really good day, Alabama would win and Auburn would lose. And when there was a Saturday where Alabama won and Auburn lost, especially if it was the last game of the season where Alabama was playing Auburn, right? Then you get your team wins and they lose all in the same day. That's what you want. So you're pulling for your team to win and you're pulling for the team that you hate to lose. I wanna ask you this tonight. Who are you pulling to lose? Who do you want to see lose? Who in this world do you want to see fall? Not only do you want to see Jesus win, but you want to see them lose. It could be a lot of things for you. That's what Jonah wanted, right? He wanted Israel to win, but Jonah wanted Nineveh to lose too. Who are the people that you want to see lose? Who are the people that you want to see fall and fail? Is it people of a different political party? Is it people of a different race? Is it some other nation in the world today? Is it LGBTQ people? Is it the liberals or the conservatives? I'm not saying we should want secular, unbiblical ideologies to prevail in our society. I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about the people. Because the Ninevites were wicked, wicked people. And Nobody wanted, even the Lord didn't want their wickedness to prevail. I'm talking about the people, the people. When we think about the people behind different ideologies, are we filled with anger and bitterness? Do we transform into a Jonah or a Scrooge? When we look upon the people in our city, in our world, do we weep for it? Or do we rejoice when it falls? Do we have the love and the compassion and the pity of Christ or the anger of Jonah? So first, God wants there to be no angry missionaries because anger 
is hateful. Secondly, God wants there to be no angry missionaries because anger is selfish. Notice the selfishness of Jonah here that I think was fueling his anger. Notice what it says, again, in, uh, going down to verse five. It says in verse five, Jonah went out of the city and he set to the east of it and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what should become of the city. Now, I think he was, again, still hoping that within the 40-day time frame, that when that 40-day time frame finally came to an end, he was kind of still hoping in the back of his mind that God would destroy the city. And so he was going to wait, and he was going to see what happened. Now, going down to verse 6, it says, Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. That was nice of God, right? So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Now this verse, verse six is interesting. It says again that the, pan, the plant appeared suddenly and grew up very quickly. This was, in other words, uh, this was kind of a miraculous thing. Normally that's not the way plants planting happens, right? You plant the seed, it's kind of a slow process. If any of you are growing a garden like we are at our house, it takes a while. But instead, this plant grew up just overnight. Boom, there it is. And so Jonah is obviously recognizing this is a miraculous gift from God that God has, has given him. Now, Jonah would have known that this was a gift from God, and, and the text also indicates another way that, that we should see this as a gift from God because it says, again, at the beginning of verse 6, now the Lord God appointed a plant. Now, this is the same word when it says appointed the plant, that God appointed the plant. It's the same word that's used of the fish, <laughs> that God appointed the fish to swallow Jonah. Remember when Jonah was drowning in the water, drowning in the sea, and God, in his compassion for Jonah, appoints a fish to come and to swallow him and to take him back to dry land. In the same way, God, in his mercy and in his compassion, is now appointing a plant this time to provide shade for Jonah from the desert sun. Over and over, God is being merciful and God is being compassionate to Jonah. And here's the deal. Jonah is more than willing to receive God's mercy and compassion. He's more than willing to receive God's mercy and compassion for himself. He just doesn't want to extend God's mercy and compassion to others. Now notice what it says in verses seven through nine. It says, but when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed something else. And this time it says God appointed a worm. Sometimes God appoints a plant. Sometimes God appoints a worm. And all the time God is teaching us a lesson because that's what he's doing to Jonah here. He appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Second time that God has asked that question, right? Do you do well to be angry, he says, for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Now, here, what, what's God doing here by, uh, by appointing this plant 
and then taking it away. God, like a good biblical counselor, is getting down to this heart issue of anger in Jonah. And he's doing it by teaching him a lesson. And he's getting down there into the heart of Jonah. And he's showing Jonah, Jonah, one of the reasons you're so angry and bitter toward the Ninevites is because, Jonah, you are selfish. You're selfish. And the reason you hate them and want them to be destroyed is because you are selfish. You are selfish with God's mercy, Jonah. You are selfish with God's gifts. You are willing to receive God's mercy. You are willing to receive God's gifts. But rather than being a channel for God's mercy and compassion and grace and gifts from you to other people in the world who also desperately need compassion and mercy from me, rather than being that, you're being a cul-de-sac. And you're keeping all of God's mercy and compassion for yourself. Jonah, that is selfish. And Jonah's selfishness was fueling his anger, and his anger was fueling his hatred for these Ninevites. And that selfishness was making Jonah a terrible missionary. And selfishness will always make us terrible missionaries. If you're selfish, if you're selfish, you'll never effectively reach other people with the compassion of Christ. If you're only focused on yourself and what God can give you, and your anger toward the world has gotten you so focused on yourself and on people that are just like you and you're bitter toward them and you're angry toward them and you're only happy when you're, when you're around people like yourself who have, because you guys have, we, we're the ones that have God's mercy. We're the ones that have God's compassion, God's compassion. And pretty soon you start thinking that you have God's mercy and God's compassion because you deserve God's mercy and God's compassion because after all, you're not like the Ninevites. And that's where Jonah was. It's kind of like this. You know, there are two types of glass in your car, right? Um, there are windows and there are mirrors in your car, two types of glass. But they function for two very different reasons, don't they? Um, and so the mirrors can be very helpful. I mean, if you're going in reverse, you need to use that mirror. Uh, if you need to look at the kid that's disrupting the other kids in the back of the car, you're going to need that mirror. But if you really want to go where you're supposed to go, if you really want to arrive at the destination where you're supposed to arrive, the mirror is not what you need to be staring at the whole time, right? Instead, you need to be looking and gazing through the window. You need to be looking out to where you need to go. You need to be looking out to what's out there. You need to be looking out to the destination where you're supposed to be heading. But Jonah was always looking in the mirror. He was always looking and thinking back about Israel, always looking in the mirror at himself. You've seen those people, right, that are driving down the interstate and like looking in the mirror and fixing themselves. Don't be that person. And that's how a lot of churches are. That's how Jonah was. So focused on looking in the mirror at themselves that they're missing what God wants to do through the window, out there in the world where he has sent us. And what happens when you look in the mirror too much is you start to love yourself and you get content in your selfishness and you forget there's a world out there that needs the love of Christ 
and you forget that it was because somebody stopped looking in the mirror and started looking out the window that somebody saw you and brought the gospel to you and allowed you to be a recipient of God's grace. You forget that once you were Nineveh and once I was Nineveh and Jesus came, unlike Jonah, and gave compassion to us and mercy to us, we forget what our own experience has been. And we become selfish missionaries and a selfish missionary is not an effective missionary. As sinners who have received God's compassion though we don't deserve it, we should be the first to want other undeserving sinners to receive compassion as well. But Jonah was failing and missing that mark. Matthew 18 verses 32 through 33, Jesus gives the parable of the unforgiving servant and listen to what it says here. It says, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. Remember this story, right? A servant owes his master thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. There's no way he can pay the debt back. And, and then he comes before his master, begs for forgiveness. The master forgives his debt. Then that same guy who had just been forgiven all of that debt goes out to his own servant who owes him like five bucks. And his servant begins to beg him in the same way and says, please forgive me, please forgive me. He says, no, and sends him to jail until he pays back that small amount of money. And the master summons him and says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Had Israel been forgiven a lot of sin? I don't know, have you read the Old Testament lately? Had Israel been forgiven a lot of sin? And, and hey, Forget even Israel once they're Israel. Do you remember Abraham, who he was? Abraham was a man, I'm just preaching through Romans right now, and Paul reminds, he reminds the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians in Rome. He says, look, we think Abraham's so great and he was greatly used by God, but do, just remember, Abraham came from Ur of the Chaldeans where he was an ungodly idol worshiper. And God called him in his mercy and in his compassion and in his grace from being a pagan idolater to becoming the father of a multitude of people. And in the same way, now Jonah, who is a descendant of that ungodly idolater Abraham, who by God's mercy and grace was converted, who had been forgiven all of the, these great and massive sins, now he's upset when God gives the same amount of mercy and compassion to other people, namely the Ninevites. So second, God wants there to be no angry missionaries because anger is selfish. Anger is hateful and angry. anger is selfish. Now finally, and quickly here, notice a third reason God wants no angry missionaries. It's this, it's because anger is ungodly. Ungodly. It's not how God is. At least for a long time. I mean, God, he's slow to act. Now, he'll get there eventually. And there is a hell. And there is final judgment. And there is wrath, which is the anger of God upon sin. But God is also merciful. And when sinners who deserve his wrath and anger and judgment turn from their sin, he relents and he saves them instead. Anger is ungodly. Notice again what it says in verse two and think about the contrast between Jonah's anger 
and God's mercy that we see right here in verse two. It says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish for I knew that you, and then it starts describing the attributes of God here. The attribute of Jonah is anger, but what's the attributes of God? I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Now go on down to verse 10 and 11 and notice how it describes God again. Verse 10, and the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. And I love that this is how John ends, and also much cattle. Pity, two kinds of pity here. Jonah has pity on the plant, which really means he's got pity on himself, right? Because the plant was there for his shade. Jonah had pity on the plant, God had pity on people. In fact, not only did God have pity on the 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left, don't know the way of salvation, God has more compassion on the cattle than Jonah has on the people. Jonah doesn't even care about the people. God cares more about the cows in Nineveh than Jonah cares about the people in Nineveh. Jonah cares more about this plant than he cares about all the people, thousands upon thousands, who are about to fall into the judgment of God. They don't know their right hand from their left. That's another way of saying they lack knowledge. Specifically here, they lack the knowledge that they need to know how to escape from the judgment that's coming for them. That's why God sends that knowledge that they need to know the way of escape and salvation through the missionary, Jonah. That's the purpose of missionaries. There's a world out there that doesn't know their right hand from their left in terms of spiritually, and they don't know the way of escape. They don't even, some of them, know that judgment is coming. And so God needs to send that knowledge to them. He could have done it in any way that he wanted, but he chose to do it through missionaries. But when missionaries are selfish and when missionaries are hateful and when missionaries are ungodly and when missionaries only want God's mercy and compassion for themselves and when missionaries care more about their own personal comforts than they do about the fact that thousands upon thousands of people stand under the judgment of God and are on their way to hell, that's not an effective way to do missions. And God is correcting him here. Jonah was cruel, but God is compassionate. I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm guilty of this. I know you probably are too. Sometimes when I look at people that really have, in a lot of cases, brought trouble into their lives by their own foolish decisions or sin, sometimes I'm tempted to just sit back and say, well, that's what they get. They shouldn't have made such a foolish decision. Or sometimes I'll think to myself, well, that serves them right. They shouldn't have made such a dumb decision. But God doesn't do that. God didn't do it with me. I can't tell you how many bad decisions I've made in my life. God didn't do it with you. Real compassion is when the sadness of someone's condition makes us sad too. Real compassion is when the brokenness of someone's condition breaks our hearts too. 
Real compassion is not to be angry toward a sinful city, but to weep over a sinful city. Real compassion like that was demonstrated in the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, whose name is Jesus. In Luke 19, verses 41 and 42, it says, and when Jesus drew near and saw the city, and the city he saw was Jerusalem, not Nineveh. Think about that. Jerusalem was wicked too, full of Jewish people, full of Jonah's. And when Jesus came near and saw the city, what did he do? He wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Or Luke 13, 34, where it shows the compassion of Jesus for a sinful city. Once again, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jonah was an angry missionary, but praise God, Jesus was a compassionate missionary. Can I get an amen on a Saturday night? Jonah was an angry missionary, but Jesus was a compassionate missionary. And I'm so glad that Jonah's not the one that came and preached to me. I'm so glad that when God so loved the world that he didn't send Jonah, he sent Jesus, aren't you? And, and now God still has that same love toward the world and he doesn't wanna send Jonah's. He wants to send people who are like Jesus. He wants to send people who are Christ-like. He wants to send people who are compassionate. He wants to send people who are merciful, not who condone sin, but who are compassionate towards sinners. That's what Jesus was, and that's what you and I are called to be as well. The more angry you are toward the world, the less likely you are to reach it. That's what Jonah teaches us, but the less angry you are toward the world, <laughs> the more compassionate you are toward the world, the more likely you are to reach it. That is what Jesus teaches us. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like him.